So as part of this podcast, we're joined today by Sean and Colin. So to start with, if we could just ask you to do a brief introduction of yourself and then go on to share, firstly, any stories or experience around neurodiversity in the workplace that you might have. Don't mind who goes first. (laughs) Okay, so um, I'll go first. So um, my name's Sean Nees. Um, I'm a line manager. Um, I'm head of quality um, working on Sellafield um, and I'm also the uh, the father of an autistic child. Um, so that that uh, is challenging in itself. Um, and also um, I have um, one member of my team um, who is um, epileptic. Um, and so he has some sort of challenging um, sort of um, issues that he deals with on a day to day basis. Um, for me, Diversity and inclusion um, is is a minefield. Um, It's really difficult. Um, And as a line manager, when I first started out, I didn't have any tools. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to look. Um, I was a little bit on my own. Um, So I muddled through. Um, And I think I muddled through by by listening, listening to the individual, understanding the problem from 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 his perspective um, or my daughter's perspective. and, And I certainly didn't judge. And I must admit, I didn't get it right at the first time. I was judgmental. I did try and get the solution in my head. And it isn't about what's in my head. It's in what's in the other person's head. So being in their shoes for me is the starting point to start and understand people's differences and how people deal with with things differently. Hi, my name is Emily Yields and I'm the co-chair of the Neurodiversity Group at Balfour BT and also I'm an early careers learning development partner. I was first diagnosed as being dyslexic when I was seven years old. I really struggled through school, college and work um, with my dyslexia. Um, I learned to mask my condition and condition myself to fit in to the workplace. Um, Over the last couple of years I've spoken up about my dyslexia and I've found a lot of support um, from people in the workplace and understanding. Um, That's helped me to want to raise the awareness of neurodiversity within the workplace. I think you should be able to bring your whole self to work Um, as I can now but I'm also aware there is still a long way for us to go and that's another reason why I joined the neurodiversity group um, to help support others and also to raise awareness and join our journey. Uh, My name's Colin Cady, I'm the financial controller of um, HS2 um, in Birmingham. so for me, uh, I've I've uh, I've got a very good friend whose daughter, sixteen-year-old daughter, is autistic, um, and and I've had the privilege to be allowed in her world, um, and it is very much the same as uh, what Sean Sean was saying. It's it's actually understanding them, um, and understanding how they work, um, and uh, and and that's what that's what it's all about, and uh, and also I also had two. Two people, two two of my staff in the past, which are both autistic, um, as well, uh, different degrees of autistic, um, and I again I had the privilege of them coming to me and telling them telling me that that they're autistic, and and then uh, for me it was quite difficult first of all because I needed to understand more about it 
at that time, I knew nothing about it, um, really. It was quite a few years ago. Um, internet was just about born, so um, so we could use some information, but it wasn't that much there. Now, obviously, now looking, there was a hell of a lot more on the internet, but at that time, there wasn't. So it was quite hard for me to learn um, more about um, how how the autistic people work, um, and and um, and 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 but it was enjoyable to learn and and it was enjoyable to actually sit down and listen and i think that's what i think that was a theme that sean was talking about was listening and communicating that's that's what it's all about for me is is you can learn a lot more listening to them than um than actually reading books uh, and and looking on the internet that's where that's where i i find yeah thank you both for that really interesting um my kind of story as well and is why i've joined the neurodiversity affinity network is because i have quite a close family member who i've been brought up with um and they are neurodivergent and they also have well they just have very severe learning difficulties and i like what you said sean around you're not going to get it right first time and fortunately for me i'm in a position where I obviously live with this individual, well, I've been brought up and live with this individual, um, so I know them inside and out, but actually being in your shoes and having an employee or uh, someone you work with and not knowing them necessarily on that scale, I totally relate with how difficult that must be for you both. So I think if we could move on slightly more to around the workplace and recruitment, do you feel that a person or employee if they were new to the business would be required to tell you if they're neurodivergent and what would be the main steps to support a colleague when they first start or when they're first diagnosed? For, for, for me um, the answer is quite simply no they don't need to um, say that they are. Um, I think um, that, that I'm learning and I'm still learning that uh, you would you would soon see their traits and the way they act, and you might have suspicions. But I think again, gaining their trust and communicating with them, um, like in, the, in in my two other colleagues in the past, they came to me and 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 told me themselves. And I think that's that that's to me is a way. Um, I don't think uh, that we've got a right to know. So I know that. For, for me, this is one that I, I sort of struggle with as well. So I know sometimes that those traits that Collins talked about are often sort of misconstrued as poor performance or somebody not doing what you um, expect them to do. Um, and again, I think um, knowing that somebody um, has a physical disability is visual. You can see it. You can see somebody that, that may may use a wheelchair to get around because that, that they're not able to sort of walk as, as we are or they've got a, a problem with that. And that is that is visual. So you can straight away see what adjustments that you'd have to put in place for that individual. However, somebody that has got um, a neurodivergence um, and I must admit I do struggle with that is it divergent is it divergent what is it um, and again I know without to label things it's just well that person is that individual it's those individual needs and some of their traits may have an impact on their ability to do the role so you need to understand if they if they are but without 
knowing then saying, well, yeah, I'm not going to recruit them because because they've got autism or because they're they're a problem. So again, I know that it is very difficult um, to sort of, but you've got to try and tease those conversations out. And and again, being open and honest in your interview process um, to understand the individual is very difficult in an hour session or a two hour session. So sometimes you're not to get going to get to that level of, of discussion. Um, and I think that's where you then use the probation period within your, your your employment and then use your PDRs, you use your daily meetings, your one to ones to get to know your your direct reports um, alongside your day job, which, again, is very difficult. Um, and being a line manager is very difficult. So I think having the tools or know where to look for the tools is equally important. Thanks, everyone. That was a really great discussion. How can you assist someone who is neurodivergent without offending them? So I'll I'll take this one. So I think first off is is knowing um, how you are not going to offend them. So again, you need to understand that individual, that person. Uh, and again, as I said before, you you may not get it right first time. Um, and again, I think listening to them, understanding them, not being judgmental. Um, and if you do inadvertently offend, apologise. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I misunderstood. I'm sorry, I jumped to a conclusion. Um, I didn't mean to do that. And then hopefully by doing that, you've brushed that sort of the barrier away because you are trying to get into that individual's mind to see how they're thinking how they think how they act um who they are and and why they they are who they are and in some instances they don't know themselves so again it is very difficult asking these leading questions and sometimes the more questions you ask the more that that individual then go into their shell because they are too overwhelmed um i know that's that's speaking from experience of, of my mum daughter um if i give a two things to do she might just about do two things if i give her a list of four or five she won't even do the first one because she's still thinking about the fifth one so i know that we i got that wrong go and tidy your room go and pick your socks up go and put that in the laundry go and do that and go and put the dog out none of that got done so again i i made the situation worse by thinking that i was giving five simple steps when i wasn't so again i think don't be afraid of offending people, but if you do, you need to acknowledge it, understand it, and then you don't offend them for a second time. Um, but so yeah, it is really difficult, and I think having that open communication and communication. I think Colin said it on a number of occasions. It's key. It's having those conversations, being open, being honest, um, and being acknowledging that you're not going to get it right. But you know what? I'm there to help you. So for for me, um, it's strange this question because. Um, in some ways, it could be the other way around, because they're, they're very, very. In in my uh, my friend's uh, daughter's case, she's very blunt and very honest, and and in some cases, if you're not if you're not ready for it, she'll say something that totally shock you, uh, and it could be a, a you know an insult, but it doesn't she doesn't mean it at all, um, but she just says it, you know. And I think there's no, I think for me, we 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 often said she's got no barriers. You know, as far as she's concerned, that you know, she'll say what she thinks, and and sometimes it's really, really funny, and and she'll laugh with you. And other times, you, you feel that you could you, you could you could feel a little bit insulted if you if you're you know. So so for me, I I 
I don't actually, I'm not actually afraid of upsetting them because I don't think, unless you say something totally out, you know, out there, as far as my experience is so far, is it's more likely to be the other way around. Yeah. And and they actually like you talking. And actually, you know, that's for me is where, where it is. They actually want you to talk to them and and they like that it that well certainly in the, the three cases I know they 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 certainly want to be talked to and talked about you know it's just you just don't know what might come out of their mouth next that's the uh, that's the one for me and 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 and, that, and like I said that could be funny it could it might not be but the next question from employee number two um actually links to the first one so linking back to communication what would be the best initial questions to ask someone who is neurodivergent about their support requirements i would i would just personally say just talk to them again you don't you don't i i wouldn't necessarily open up with questions straight away what do you need i i, I actually would just communicate get to know them um and they will they'll open up and and, and talk to you i think the danger is is for us not knowing what there is out there yeah uh and i think that's part of the you know uh, you, you mentioned about the headsets and the pens and such like you know if people don't know that then they wouldn't suggest that's that's what there is so i think there is that that communication barrier for the the individuals yeah to know what there is out there that's that's where i am actually but it's, it's just communicating again so I think I'd, I'd take that one step further and I'd say, so so what is it you would like for you to be the best you can be? So it's not about what I can provide, it's what you, you need, what you would like or what you think that would help you. Again, being in their shoes, so don't preempt, but don't prejudge. Oh, you're somebody that is, is, is classified as sort of blind or, or poorly sighted. Um, what, what would you like? I'm, I, I don't have that same um, inability or disability. So you tell me what you would like to help you. Um, and again, I think we do jump to conclusions very easily uh, to say, um, oh, you've got a wheelchair, you want a ramp. Well, I've got a disabled friend that's been disabled for 30 years. I've known him. Um, and the last thing he wants is a ramp. Um, he would much rather jump on my back um, and I take him up the stairs than we put a ramp or him going the lift. So that's what we've got. And that's a, a laughable joke now. If he sees a lift, see a wheelchair, oh, would you like uh, would you like me to open the lift for you? No, I don't want to go in the lift. Thank you very much. In fact, he's claustrophobic. So we won't even go in the lift. So again, I think that, but that comes through that friendship and that understanding of that individual. So what is it you would like? What is it you, I asked that, the question to my daughter, what is you would like me to do? Not, I'm going to do this for you which is totally different because all, all you want to do as a parent is help people or help them and protect them. So yeah, I think I'm doing the best for them when, in fact, sometimes I probably made it worse. What is it you would like? Yeah. What would you and like I, me to do? And I agree on that as well, Sean, because I relating to me, the amount of times that I've said, oh, I'm dyslexic. Oh, well, here we are, Emily. Don't worry, you don't need to write that up. And it's like, actually, no, but I can write. <laughs> I can, I can do that. Um, maybe I may just need a little bit longer just to do that. But it's yeah. making that assumption that suddenly it's like someone say to me, "Oh, well, here you are, Emily. 
don't worry about reading this out aloud because actually, you know, you're dyslexic, so you won't be able to do that. And that's completely wrong. I can read, I can present and I do a really good job at it. What I may just say is, hold on, I just need five minutes aside just to read that. So you're right. It's not making that assumption. Um, It is about actually, well, what can we do or what do you need me to do to support you? And then I think also if that person feels welcome and, and can be open about what they need, they will disclose what they what they feel are their strengths and weaknesses. And then you can fit that into your daily working routine as well to support that individual. So for example, when I have to write things that are really, really important, I, I do the draft and I'll send it to my team and I'll just say, would you mind just checking this? Um, you know, and I think to be fair, people would anyway, just in general, but because obviously they yeah. know I'm dyslexic, they will sit there and probably take a bit extra long just mm-hmm. to double check because they know that I probably, I may have missed something else, so forth. But by them knowing and not making that assumption that they need to just type it up for me it makes me feel more confident and supportive to also go to them as well so I can agree with you more there Sean on that part thank you everyone so I think the last summary question um that from the survey would like to be covered would be I know you shared your stories at the beginning and you're both line managers who have been through and supported neurodivergent colleagues but what advice would you give to line managers who have maybe started just taken on a new start who's neurodivergent it doesn't necessarily have to be from a line manager's angle it could be just to all employees who maybe know someone who's neurodivergent or have a colleague who's identifies as neurodivergent um, I just say ask. If you don't know, ask. Um, don't try and muddle through. So I know that that's one thing that I sort of use ask three letters, simple, but it's actively seek knowledge. So if you don't know, find out. There are numerous people in the business that have been through this that can help, that can support. And I think that does link back into having that network of people, having the tools to or know where you can access those tools. So I think it's about sort of um, you reach out to your peers, to your colleagues, to other people um, and, and they'll they'll give you their advice and, and that'll ha- enable you to be a better person in dealing with with those um, those situations. Yeah, same really, I agree with that. Um, reach out for people who've had experiences before. Um, also get to know the people that your, your colleagues you're talking about um for me likes dis- dislikes um find the safe places if if it's uh as well um and and just carry on just communicating with the person and, and get their trust yeah i, th- I think um, you, you mentioned about safe spaces so i know um on, on bp where i work at the moment um, we, we've actually sort of got a, a well-being room. Um, again, it's that f- safe space where people can go to have a conversation, um, have a coffee, have 10 minutes, have a bit of a, um, I don't know, a bit of a chill out, bit of a refresh, bit of a reset. So again, I think, um, I know most places are not not able to have these these sorts of areas, but I think it's understanding whether you say, you know what, I'm just going to go for a coffee. Um, we're going to sit in the canteen. Um, I know that they're not very... Um, sort of private spaces but again I think just going out of the environment go for a walk go for a walk around the block get some fresh air have a team take the team member with you 
sometimes that's all it takes to sort of to to, to break down some of those barriers that may exist um, and may help you in in having some of those conversations. I think so. Yeah, it's um, if if we were to summarise on this, and I by the way, I've really enjoyed today's podcast, and it's, it's really helpful, and it's good to see it from your point of view um, as a manager, because um, obviously I'm always going to be dialing up on my my point of view, <laughs> being selfish. But if we were to summarise, I think one of the things that's come out of it is is probably definitely awareness and asking the question um i think you shouldn't be scared it's they what they say is no question is a stupid question ask the question i think just be mindful obviously of, of people's um of feelings um but again as sean sort of said just ask and you just apologize you need to apologize if 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 you got it wrong we all get it wrong sometimes um but i think it's there's also say just going back to the self-awareness understanding and go and seek through the Balfour BT tools that are available there because we do have line management training. And um, just before we, we, we roll up, um, Sean and Colleen, is there anything massive like message or, or key points or tips that you want to just just put out there before we do close? I think I've, I've hopefully I've said I've said a little bit and it's sort of given a bit of an insight into to what what line management means for and well and parenting means for for Sean Lees and again if anybody does need to get hold of me um I'm on the Balfour system um email me um yammer me or whatever yammer's changed to now I don't know but um <laughs> can't keep up <laughs> um, myself <laughs> no so I think just just reach out as I say I'll answer I'll answer it as I say my phone number's there I'll pick up pick the phone up have a conversation and I, if I don't know the answer I'll find somebody who does um so yeah just reach out i think would be uh, the message for me and i'll learn something as well for, for me it's um listen and learn um i think that's that's uh, key and also i i think it's a really good idea that we talked about having a neurodiverse champion on each site or office um i think that would help with the communication um around around the network uh, of offices um as well so i think that's a really good idea um but yeah listen and learn that's for me i've really enjoyed today's session and i want to say a massive thank you to our guest speakers who have joined and ex shared their experience um, of neurodiversity and managing individuals who are neurodiverse it's been a great opportunity for myself equally to talk about my journey from being diagnosed as being dyslexic um, and also how it feels working in the workplace. One in seven people are neurodiverse. So as I stop and pause to reflect myself, I want to ask you to just stop, take a look around the room. You may be driving, maybe having a cup of coffee at home or you may be at work, but I want you just to think one in seven people are neurodiverse. If that's the case, there is probably someone in your office, workplace, school, home life, who's neurodivergent. The problem being with people who are neurodivergent, we are very good at masking that. And if we don't have the right support or confidence, we won't let people know that we are neurodiverse. And this is because of the stigma that we get at Balfour BT, we're definitely breaking down that stigma 
and we have made the environment so welcoming but we still have a long way to go and we want people to come and join us and work for us and to be part of our neurodiverse network if you're thinking of um, joining Balfour BT please visit our careers page but once again as I say I just want you to reflect and think about what we've talked today and hopefully it's made you aware of people who are neurodiverse and the 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 rules that are in place at Balfour Beatty and also in the outside world and that people are willing to accept and want to know more about neurodiversity. So on that note, just again, I want to say a massive thank you to our speakers. Um, and thank you also to Balfour Beatty for giving me a welcoming environment to work in and being able to bring my whole self to work. Thank you.